Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio. Uh, welcome to Progressive News Network. This is Janine Moloff. Uh, today we have a special treat. Um, we are going to have a wonderful interview with BuzzFlash editor Mark Carlin. And let me give you a little background before I bring Mark onto the show. First of all, uh, Mark Carlin founded BuzzFlash in May of 2000. He had written daily commentaries and articles for the publication Truthout for eight years. He was a senior member of Truthout staff. Staff, excuse me. Um, he had traveled extensively, including spending quite a bit of time in Vietnam. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. And when he founded BuzzFlash, he really had a definite goal in mind. BuzzFlash was essentially the first progressive website to aggressively expose political hypocrisy and manipulation of power among the right wing. So right now, uh, I want to welcome Mark. He has some very strong commentary on the uh, basically the anti-vax crowd. We're talking about the governors that are pushing, that have pushed uh, basically policies that forbid local municipalities from having mass mandates or demand to get in schools. So right now, I am going to try and call Mark. Let's see if we can get him on the line. Um, hopefully, I won't get disconnected. Folks, you know that I am, um, wait a minute. I'm technologically challenged here, so let's do this. All right, I'm going to put the phone number in. Excuse me. And we're hoping that we get Mark on the line really fast because he has some powerful commentary that I think everybody needs to hear. Okay, we're dialing. All righty. Come on, Mark. You, hey, Janine. Hi, Mark. We're on air right now. Welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you here. Thank you there? so much for having me. Thank my you so pleasure. much for having me. I, my pleasure, Mark. Um, I explained to our audience that you founded um, BuzzFlash back in 2000. And your one of your major goals was to, quote, aggressively expose political hypocrisy and manipulation of power among the right wing. And today I kind of led up basically letting our audience know that you had some very strong commentary on politicians that are pushing uh, political uh, goals that really handicap any mitigation efforts when it comes to COVID. So... Uh, you've made some strong allegations against these anti-mask and anti-vaxxer governors. You've called for criminal penalties in some cases. Um, and so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go down the line here. So you, you've published several things on uh, BuzzFlash, and I have this one article first. We're going to lead into it, and that is, just this past July, the CDC made masking optional for the fully vaccinated, and there was no transparency mechanism other than the honor system. 
and you published an article basically saying what was the CDC thinking as if anti-vaxxers would voluntarily wear masks to protect others. Could you comment on that first? Yes, uh, absolutely true. Yes, it's absolutely true. The um, anti-vaxxers are not to be trusted. Their uh, motivation is to own the libs, even if it means getting infected with COVID and dying themselves. And for the CDC to say, well, you should wear one if you're not vaccinated is um, kind of thick in the head because if you're not vaccinated and you're white, you're generally doing this because it's the way of the right wing and the white supremacists to get back at liberals, I think. In in the end, they're the ones who are dying because most of the Democrats have been vaccinated in the blue states and elsewhere. And um, so they're only posing a threat to themselves. But then again, everything about Trumpism makes no sense. And this is just one more element. But the CDC is to be faulted because there should have been put in place mandates that had legal authority to uh, deny entry to public uh, venues for people who did not wear masks and who do not wear masks to this very day. This is continuing. What we're seeing is an act of public manslaughter and um, we're somehow tolerating it as a society as though it's been normalized. Right, right. And so basically the CDC, to put them on this honor system, is basically saying that they have no, they have no transparency mechanism in place, of course anti-vaxxers are going to lie because they would rather, as you say, own the libs than even save their own lives. Uh, the hatred out there is that, that palpable. And, you know, the, the fact is that you can't have a transparency mechanism unless you have what the right is called vaccine passports. Otherwise, how do you know who's fully vaccinated and who isn't? It's impossible to know. And the fact that this virus is airborne means that it, it isn't a harmless act. They are purposely potentially spreading contagion. You know, it, it's it's not quite the same as, you know, we knew that, for instance, there are laws in some states that if you have HIV or AIDS and you're going to have unprotected sex with somebody, that you have a legal obligation to let them know your, your status. Otherwise, you can be, um, you know, charged with manslaughter. But you can choose not to have unprotected sex with someone. You but with something that's airborne, like COVID, you can't choose not to breathe. I mean, it's just not possible. So, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I know you want to get to that manslaughter aspect, and we're, we, we have plenty of time, so we're going to lead right into it. Um, there's also the fact that because there are people that can be carriers of COVID that show no symptoms, 
that are asymptomatic, it it makes things far more difficult. It's not like you can see someone who is coughing and avoid them. Somebody could look perfectly healthy and be a carrier. And once again, we all breathe air. So this started with Trump because he downplayed the virus. Do you have any theories about why he downplayed the virus? Mark? Uh, He downplayed the virus. Yes, he downplayed the virus because of his machismo and being, if you want to call him, alpha male. Um, He didn't think that his followers, who believe that they're white and invincible because they're white, uh, would rely on a vaccine. Now, he is a bit of a hypocrite because he also took a lot of the credit for developing the vaccine. Um, And yet he basically, with a wink and a nod, and more than that, says don't take the vaccine. Um, It's as though he's saying that white people are immune to catching the virus, which, of of course, we see more than 600,000 deaths later is not the case with with whites who follow his uh, white nationalism. Um, The other thing is, uh, if you look historically, it's not hard to see how this happened, um, even if you take Trump out of the picture, because the right wing, um, and we see this on climate change, um, has developed a very strong anti-science, anti-medical innovation bias. And so they're against science. They're suspicious of science. In many ways, this goes back to the uh, Salem witch trials to the Middle mm. Ages, where there were people who simply uh, didn't believe that uh, science, even as undeveloped as it was back in the, the medieval ages, um, was a boon to humanity. They saw science as something that was sort of a, a mystical threat Uh, to life. And so I think this is part of the way uh, that our journey has taken us to right-wing Americans uh, being very anti-science. I I saw the uh, headline the other day that half of the San Francisco Police Department is not going to take the vaccine. I, I, I think this is a pretty serious entrenched anti-science position um, that goes along with Trumpism, but but I think it would exist probably uh, to some degree um, if even if we didn't have Trump. Right, right. And I, I agree with you. I think that Trump manipulated with that wink and that nod you know, there was this this idea that if you were a real man, then you didn't need the vaccine or whatever. Um, 
let's move on. I've looked up several of your articles in BuzzFlash, and you have another one where that you published just uh, last month, the two of them actually. Um, one was that um, Southern governors, let me get to you, Southern Republican governors have a license to kill. And you had um, uh, an illustration there from the Texas State Education Agency, and they issue guidelines for every school district, you know, in Texas. And this is near and dear to my heart because I taught for 30 years in a in a uh, an urban school system, and the Texas Education Agency, as of this publication in August of 21. Schools don't have to inform parents of a positive case of COVID. Schools don't have to conduct contact tracing. And if a school does contact trace, parents can still choose to send a child to school if they are a close contact of an infected student. And to me, I find that absolutely terrifying. Basically, Greg Abbott and the GOP in Texas, they have canceled, talk about cancel culture, they've canceled any mitigation efforts at containing this virus. And it's not just endangering the teachers, it's endangering our children. And I know the argument's been made that, well, children don't get as sick, which with Delta remains to be seen, but children are carriers. I remember there was a massive uh, scientific study out of South Korea back in twenty. And they contact traced over like 60,000 people. And what they found was that children aged 10 to about 19 were as effective a carrier of COVID as adults. In some instances, more effective as a carrier. And so this is terrifying because these kids can be infected. They can come home. They could infect their parents. And we've seen cases recently where parents came down with it and both parents died, and the children were left orphans. So it's almost like the GOP wants us to have a nation of orphans, it seems. So can you speak um, to how these red state governors and even some attorney generals are enabling COVID-caused infections, especially in places like Florida, Texas, and so on? Uh, they are, and they are in I personally believe, a criminal fashion. Uh, the evidence is there. Uh, as far as children or young people, um, once the schools were reopened for the most part, uh, it turned out that uh, 20 to 25% of those infected were children. Now, as you said, Janine, these people... Uh, these young people carry uh, can carry the um, transmissible virus back home and infect mm-hmm. a parent. Uh, they're less likely to uh, uh, die of it, although children do die of COVID um, and and in a sizable number, um, but less a percentage than with adults and. Uh, so therefore, they're 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 contagion agents because they can spread. They can have mild symptoms, but they can still right. have a, enough of the virus to spread it to parents and grandparents. So as you 
Um, So aptly said, you end up with orphans. And I read these stories. I read stories all day long uh, as editor of BuzzFlash. And I read about um, young people are orphaned. I I recall reading on CNN last week about a family where uh, the mother and father didn't get the vaccine and um, they died uh, just, I think, about a week apart, and they left five young children orphans. Um, I remember that story. I, I, I think that this is uh, simply unacceptable in a contemporary society, and we have normalized um, the spreading and the enabling of the spreading of the virus by the red state governors, particularly uh, DeSantis is very vocal. And um, Mm -hmm. of course, Abbott. um, And this is not acceptable in a modern democratic society. They they are basically getting away with witchcraft that is deadly. And uh, a while back, uh, Florida and Texas together had 40% of the deaths in the United States from COVID. Um, So the the proof is in the pudding that the policies of these governors are directly leading to the transmission, the increased transmission of the uh, virus. And they're also supporting, uh, I know DeSantis in particular was supporting these um, um, shams of treatment like the uh, horse dewormer. And um, it's just very hard to believe that as a society, we don't have newspapers, we don't have other politicians, we don't have the Department of Justice you know, calling for them to be tried for, in essence, facilitating a plague. Right. Here in my home state of Missouri, we have a GOP governor, Mike Parson, and we have a GOP attorney general, Eric Schmidt. And this is very political. Um, The state capitol in Jefferson City, Missouri, they signed a bill at first, they refused to. The government, the governor refused to issue a mask mandate early on, even when other states did what GOP governors Parson refused. Then you had local municipalities, you know, local governments issuing their own mask mandates in public places. Perfectly reasonable. So the Missouri legislature got together and passed this thing called HB 271, and it basically said that no local municipality could have a mask mandate through their health department unless they got a permission slip from the state legislature, okay? And now we have the Attorney General of Missouri suing school districts because he says that the mask mandates that are used by school districts are um, violating the rights of those who don't want their kids to mask. And this is you know, that enabling, it, it's totally insane. And when you call and ask them, they say, well, it's a matter of personal choice. And I asked the governor's office, Governor Parson, as well as Attorney General Eric Schmidt, I called them multiple times, and I asked, so that's your whole basis for this argument? It's a matter of personal choice? 
whether someone's going to vaccinate or mask up? And they said yes, repeatedly. And I said, so are you basically saying that the right of anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers supersedes the, the right of them to not be the side fit inconvenience, supersedes the right of the rest of us to not die from this, this disease? And they became very incensed. And this is what it looks like. It's basically they talk about their rights. But what they're really talking about is license. It's like, an, it's like these anti-vaxxers are on extended adolescence. Um, and so let's talk about, let's talk a little more about the criminal liability or what should be criminal liability of Republican politicians who help sponsor not only this, the right to not mask if you don't want to and not vaccinate without, reason, without a decent reason, and the right of these polls to really sponsor super spreader events, all in the name of liberty. Let's talk about their, what should be their potential criminal liability. And you wrote an article, and it basically said, you were, it was kind of tongue-in-cheek, you said Greg Abbott wanted for voluntary homicide, bounty of $1 million for his apprehension. So you wrote this piece, and you said that GOP governors, such as Greg Abbott, Ron DeSantis, and Christy Noem are guilty of voluntary manslaughter, maybe involuntary manslaughter. It, that would depend on the prosecutor. And you also said that federal law should be invoked and that Congress should offer a $1 million bounty for Abbott's apprehension and the others. Could you explain a little further? Yes, a reader of us last wrote and said they liked the commentary um, but it could be in the onion. The reality is uh, it it should be the truth. Um, you just mentioned the $1 million bounty, and I think that um, that's a segue into pointing out that Greg, which, which is the irony that the commentary was uh, written in, that Greg Abbott, um, just has um, basically eliminated abortion, uh, prohibited abortion in Texas, but is allowing citizens to sue anyone who provides an abortion, enables an abortion, has an abortion, and so forth, and receive a bounty of $10,000. And that right. is what I was... Um, uh, if one wants to call it satirizing, it's it's a little bit more than that. I, I personally believe there should be a million dollar bounty uh, on mm-hmm. on his head um, because if he is allowing citizens to sue people who have abortions in Texas in the first two trimesters, then um, I think there should be a bounty on his head for allowing what is known to be a contagious disease and to cause the death of others and to say it's just a personal choice. You know, it's just a personal choice if I want to stick my finger in an electrical socket and electrocute myself. I'm not affecting anyone else. I'm electrocuting myself. I'm making that choice when when Greg Abbott talks about choice to stick my finger in the electrical socket. 
But when I'm walking around with potentially with COVID or knowingly with COVID and not wearing a mask, I'm not sticking my finger in the electrical socket. I'm grabbing the fingers of other people and sticking them in the electrical socket. And I'll just give one other example, which is if I'm out like a shooting in the um, forest, you know, for deer or whatever, I'm a, I'm a hunter and I accidentally shoot with someone, um, I'm still responsible for their death. Um, and that's the same thing we see in the spread of this disease. And to not regard uh, Governor Abbott and his fellow governors, certainly DeSantis is, is bad, um, not to regard, when, when you said you, we don't know whether it's voluntary or involuntary on the part of the right. governors, I think it's, it, it's too well known about how this um, pandemic spreads to say that it could possibly be involuntary. Right. Yeah, it's, it's airborne. And um, this is, it's really, there's, it's not a coincidence. This is my opinion. It's not a coincidence that all these anti-mask laws, these that uh, these uh, laws that are banning vaccine passports, which would be a transparency mechanism, so we know who's vaccinated and who isn't, that all these laws from state to state look suspiciously nearly identical. And that's because in my research, what I found was these governors are taking model bills that were basically first suggested by a, a bill mill called ALEC, the American Legislative Exchange Council. I know for a fact that here in Missouri, our governor, Mike Parson, was a speaker at their conference this past year. So he brought back that bill and boom, we had it. Um, you mentioned how those who enable these GOP governors should also be held accountable um, because once again, this is this is airborne. I mean, it's not like all right, if this were a sexually communicable disease and you knew where your partner had been, you can choose not to have unprotected sex. There's no way to have un to, to, to protect yourself this way because it is um, airborne. We all breathe air. And these governors know it. Now, you also brought, um, you spoke about, you actually listed this article, The Criterion of Prosecution, under federal law for the minimum charge of manslaughter. And you cited 18 U.S. Code 1112, manslaughter. And it basically said that manslaughter is the unlawful killing of a human being without malice. It is of two kinds voluntary, like in a sudden quarrel or heat of passion, and involuntary, in the commission of an unlawful act not amounting to a felony or in the commission of, in an unlawful manner, or, this is the part where you could get them, without due caution and circumspection of a lawful act which might produce death. I think that these gov GOP governors are hiding behind the idea that, well, we have laws that say you don't have to mask, so they're not doing anything unlawful. 
But when you look at this definition, it's that last clause where we could get them, or without due caution and circumspection of a lawful act which might produce death. So then what would you say to the U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland to demand with that last clause that there should be criminal prosecution of these people, these politicians pushing not only misinformation that we know are lies, but also these laws which allow people to get by with not masking in public and so on and so forth. What would you say to Merrick Garland? I say go for it. I mean, all all these states, uh, I think every state in the union has laws that require children to be vaccinated when they go to school. And I'm sure that Christy Nome, who was an anti-vaxxer, had her three children vaccinated to get into public school. These are state laws, and I believe that's um, the law in Texas, too. So there's nothing but political um, malfeasance at play here in singling out um, the COVID vaccine when other vaccines are required by state law in these red states to be uh, inoculated in children. I might also add, and I wrote this commentary several months ago, I was uh, I happened to be in North Dakota driving through, and mm-hmm. I saw that when you, I'm South Dakota, excuse me, and I saw that when you enter South Dakota, there's a sign, welcome to South Dakota, and right behind uh, it's buckle up, it's the law. So <laughs> when we, when we get to the, you know, my analogy to sticking your finger in the socket. Here you have a case that goes further than that. The state law is in, in Christy Nome State, an anti-vaxxer, where again, they require children. I, I, I listed the number of vaccinations they required. I took their state code and just uh, copied it. And it was quite a number. I think it was like eight or nine. Um, vaccinations a child had to have in order to enter school. And um, if you require seatbelts in states, you're requiring a person to protect themselves. It's rare. I think it would be extraordinarily rare for someone who was in a bad automobile accident to be ejected from the Mm -hmm. car and actually as a projectile kill someone. The purpose of a seatbelt is to protect the wearer of the seatbelt, the passenger in the car. So, in other words, in a state where Christy Nome says we can violate the freedom of people in our state by requiring them to get a vaccine, there is a state law that you're notified of as you drive into South Dakota that says you have to wear a seatbelt and the purpose of the seatbelt law is only to protect the individual passenger, not to protect someone else. So these right. governors are knowingly endangering other people by allowing anti-maskers to go about. And when you open the show, Janine, you were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, the the um, naivety, naivety of the CDC in thinking that they could say, well, 
we won't make it a mask mandate. We'll just say everyone should wear one if they've been unvaccinated. Um, they've changed since then, but they said that in the beginning. And it was like, you know, I think Democrats lots of times are just very naive about the ruthless motivations and the selfishness of the right-wingers. And that's the case here. I, I I think that if a person is unvaccinated, they're even more likely to go into a public place without a mask, just because that's yeah. their way of owning the lids and of showing yeah, I, that um, they are they are some uh, some in some very twisted and tortured and grotesque way that they somehow are an advocate of freedom. That this is a freedom. Um, it, it's not a freedom to infect other people with a deadly disease. No, it's it's not. In fact, there were a few Supreme Court decisions. There was one in 1905, I believe it was, um, oh, God, I forget the name of it. It happened in Massachusetts, and where the SCOTUS said, no, you don't have a right to infect others. Um, and, you know, just you, you're right. The I think the Democratic Party... I don't, I'm going to go further. I'm not going to say that they're naive. I think they are utterly unwilling to, to fight. I, I mean, that's it in the bottom line. Um, we have to have leadership, and we haven't received it. They're too afraid of the far right, because the far right will throw a big hissy fit every time they're challenged, even the slightest. And, you know, this is something that, you know, I would think that not only is it malfeasance, I, uh, I would agree with you that on the GOP's part, these anti-mask and anti-vax um, policies, it, is, it does constitute criminal malfeasance with premeditation. But I would also say that um, the Democrats have abdicated their responsibility. They, they just have. Uh, we're not going after these people. Um, you know, I guess they're their response is, well, we might lose. So what? We should still fight this because it's hurting us. It's hurting our children. Um, you know, here in my home state of Missouri, I contacted the State Department of Health and Human Services because as a former teacher, it occurred to me that when you allow children to be unmasked, and be vulnerable to coming down with this. When you allow children to, you know, to be exposed like that, that type of reckless endangerment, even if it's done by, per parental decision, is really a form of child neglect. And there are laws in every state of the book against child abuse, neglect, and reckless endangerment. And there are many people, many professions that are, that are required reporters, including attorney generals. You know, in Missouri, if you fail to report suspected child abuse, neglect, or reckless endangerment, the person who failed to report it can get five years in jail. And yet we have an attorney general that's fighting school districts, public school districts having mask mandates, which to me sounds like he's fighting for the, the right to endanger our children. Um, and this comes to another point. I have an article here. Um, and it is titled, 
a COVID genocide in the Americas. It was written this past January by Federico Finkelstein and Jason Stanley. And Jason Stanley is a professor of philosophy at Yale. And he authored a book called How Fascism Works, The Politics of Us Versus Them. And Federico Finkelstein is professor of history at the New School for Social Research in Eugene Lyon College and is the author of a work called A Brief History of Fascist Lies. And in this article, basically, I'm just going to read straight to this. They basically say, just as political leaders like Donald Trump and Jair Bolsonaro have forced a reckoning about the historical persistence of fascist politics, so have their disastrous responses to the COVID-19 pandemic renewed the relevance of the concept of genocide. How else are we to come to grips with so many culpable, culpably avoidable deaths? So they're comparing Trump's irresponsible action and the choices Trump made to lie about COVID. He knew early on, per uh, recorded uh, interviews with Bob Woodward, he knew that this thing was airborne and he knew it was deadly. And he withheld that information from the public. So this is an instance where these two researchers are saying maybe this is a form of genocide, maybe not as obvious, a little slicker in terms of how they're getting away with it. But they pointed out how the United States has lagged behind Brazil, uh, you know, in terms of their response to COVID, even in the face of the fact that Bolsonaro's response to COVID might make him culpable for the crime of genocide. Um, and th they were, this was January, so they were talking about the U.S. death toll going past 400,000. Now we're edging towards 700,000. So thoughts on this? Should these GOP politicians that knowingly push these lies, should they not only be um, charged with uh, manslaughter, should they also be charged with conspiracy? to commit genocide, especially of communities of color here and impoverished communities that have less access to health care. Any thoughts? Well, yes. I mean, yes, they, they should. Um, you know, there's a famous historical figure of Typhoid Mary, who was a woman in Boston who um, managed to spread the typhus to many people and she was um, detained and uh, kept locked in. Um, I don't think she was in prison, but she was kept locked in her home or whatever. She couldn't leave. And I don't think we should um, hold that standard to anything less when we're dealing with this pandemic. Um, We've accepted that people are going to die because other people aren't going to bother getting a vaccine. And if by now we had had um, 85 or 90% of Americans having had the vaccine, we would have reached what is called herd immunity. And for all practical purposes, the uh, number of people dying would have dropped to under 100 a week or so, or maybe even less. But we are continuing to let these people um, who are in um, 
elected office, very high positions, um, basically facilitate the spread of the virus. That That is enabling homicide. And I think we're letting the people who spread the virus go free. Um, I really don't care about what they think is their freedom. I have a freedom to be free of the threat of possibly being infected and dying from COVID. Um, they can talk all they want about their freedom. Um, there's, you know, many anti-vaxxers. I see photos of anti-vaxxers who say tens of thousands of people who have died from vaccinations. This is just, you know, nonsense. And it's, again, going back to what I brought up earlier, which is this comes from the context of being very anti-science. Um, and that adds to the, um, it, it adds to the uh, obstinance of people who are anti-vaxxers and uh, refuse to get vaccinated. Um, they, they see science as an enemy, not as a friend. But they also see it as following in the tradition of their leader who had gotten COVID and, mm -hmm. you know, you know, had a very defiant photograph when he came back. He stood up on the Truman balcony and tore off his mask. And I think this said more than anything to people. And it became a symbol of being um, a pro-white pro-white America um, supporter to be anti-mask. This, this was to defy uh, democracy that's growing to include um, many more people who are not white. Right. And I think this is a big threat to this white patriarchal community, and it is patriarchal. Um, it, it's, it's primarily men. Um, so I think that, yes, I think the law should be brought to rein in this ridiculous um, policy uh, jihad of the Republican governors to let people spread the disease freely. I, I, I don't know how you can regard that as anything, but um, knowledgeable uh, with foresight homicide because they are facilitating it and they can't claim ignorance that they're facilitating all they can say is well um, and, and the governor of Mississippi by the way Kate Reeves which has mm -hmm. both the lowest vaccination rate in the United States and it also has the highest per capita death rate in the United States, even though it's a small state, it's the highest per capita death rate. He said an interesting thing, and one can make it what one wants, but that a lot of evangelicals and Southern Baptists in Mississippi, particularly Southern Baptists in Mississippi, believe that life is eternal. So if they take the risk to die, um, they have an afterlife and they aren't really dying as we traditionally see it. Um, 
and and that gave me something to think about. And I, you know, I I think he he's a facilitator too. Um, right. But um, I think that you know he there's an element of that in all of this. I mean, it's complicated. It's not it's not as simple as you're saying. This is all about Trump. Um, it, it's a very complicated um, situation. But here in a country where we have the um, abundance and we have the advanced technology um, to vaccinate every American, this is unlike the rest of the world where 72% of the world um, doesn't have the ability to be vaccinated. Um, We see people who are just ignoring this great gift that they have to mm-hmm. uh, suppress the virus. And um, these governors are acting with males of forethought. They're politically opportunistic. And as I say, they're all pro-life. You look at Greg Abbott, and, and he, he's a, a horror story um, choice. And um, he even subsequent to the anti-abortion bill, he mm-hmm. outlawed um, anti-abortion. He outlawed abortion pills after nine weeks, which is to say, most women don't even know they're pregnant after right. nine weeks. So he that to him is being pro-life, and and the right wing is you know sees themselves as sticking up for life. Of course, they don't care about the babies after they're born, but that's another right. subject. Um, they, they just care about the zygote. But here they're all pro. They, they just care about the zygote and and yeah. the the biblical notion, religious notion of of um, life being sacred, uh, the birth the birth of life being sacred, but not not going through life. They don't right. want to help anyone well, out. Fact- but these are the these are the same people who are saying that it's my freedom to infect other people. That's that's not freedom. That's that's homicide. Um, if a person dies, it is. It is. And going back to this this article really fast here. This these particular authors they compared they used a historical parallel of the documented role that Stalinism played in the Holomodor, which was the the famines that swept Ukraine in 1932 and 33, and those famines caused millions of deaths. I mean, far more than, you know, the Shoah or the Holocaust. And when they looked at that historian, uh, Timothy Snyder, they quoted him, and um, they said that shows that in this a book that he a book by Timothy Snyder called Bloodlands. Um, Snyder documented how those policies that Stalin put out there led to the mass deaths mass deaths in Ukraine, and he was quoted saying, "quote may seem like an anodyne administrative policy, and each of them was certainly presented as such at the time." And Stalin too could have asked, "Who did I kill?" End quote. But they weren't just administrative policies. When you have administrative, basically what Snyder's saying, when you have administrative policies that you know are going to lead to this fairly easily predictable event, which is going to cause many deaths, 
then you're not, you can't escape legal responsibility. And that's really what he's saying. And um, I guess basically what I'm looking at is just the idea that I agree with everything you're saying. I think that not only should these politicians and their enablers face criminal prosecution, you know, for manslaughter, but they also should face prosecution at a federal level as well for conspiracy to conspiracy to commit genocide, if you will. Maybe the charge won't stick, but it will make some of these other people think before they do. Um, because just asking them isn't working. Um, there, you know, you read all over the country right now where anti-maskers are going up to people, starting fights, ripping masks off of people, including, you know, cancer patients, you name it. They're going into hospitals and, and doing the same and endangering everybody. And this is, it's approaching the level of a lynch mob. Um, and yet our laws won't, uh, our laws haven't caught up with that even though we don't need new laws, laws in place. Um, so if you could have, uh, this is going to be the last question I ask you because we're, it's, it's, we're going to be talking about this again, I'm sure. Uh, if you could have a wish list of what you would like to see happen to hold these people accountable, what would it be and why? Go ahead, Mark. Well, the wish list would be that they're 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 uh, incarcerated and tried. Um, I I think that's the only way you could stop these deaths. I mean, what is happening is people are dying because of these policies, as you pointed out. Um, it, it it sounds somewhat anodyne what Stalin did in terms of intentionally starving people to death because of the uh, the great famines were the only way to solve the food shortage in Russia or the Soviet Union at the time. Um, and I think that these people, I, I, I think that the newspapers um, have been much too tame and not calling for the prosecution of these people. Uh, they've been much too tame in not calling for the prosecution of Donald Trump on a different issue, which is his attempt at coup. I mean, here we have someone who, in a Western democracy, has attempted a coup and, and basically is still attempting a coup um, by continuing the big lie and putting, uh, having states putting in uh, laws and policies that will enable the 2022 elections to be stolen in some states in the 2024 presidential election to be stolen. So I think people should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. And I go back to that sign as I went into South Dakota that said, um, buckle up, it's the law, you know. And if we're talking that a person can be uh, fined and prosecuted for not wearing a seatbelt, which only affects them individually, why aren't we applying the law to people who are adopting policies that end up in the deaths of tens of thousands of people? It, it's, it's mystifying to me, and it's a testament to how Americans and Democrats, I think in particular, 
um, start to normalize aberrant behavior. Right, right. I, I'm totally in agreement here. I saw something on Facebook where one of my friends uh, responded to an anti-masker and anti-vaxxer by saying, you call your refusal to mask and your refusal to vaccinate liberty. He said, I call it adolescence. And I thought, wow. Well, that, it's adolescence. It's also also Trump did, I mean, he contributed to this in a lot of ways. Um, but he, he, I think in essence what Trump opened up was the id of uh, the right wing and the white, mm-hmm. uh, basically white power movement to preserve white power um, as it shifted, um, a lot of this is backlash to Obama being elected, I think. Um, but I, I think that what Trump did was he told his followers, in no uncertain terms, beginning with Locker up for Hillary, um, mm-hmm. that they had a right to be angry and they had a right to vent and they had a right to be selfish because primarily what we're dealing with here is selfish people. They're 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 almost anarchists. They're saying the government cannot make any decisions that affect them. They are the only people who could make these decisions. And I think that's um, having a terrible impact on public health in the United States. Right. I I agree. I I would add to it. I I think there is that. I agree. There is this tied to white supremacy and neo-Nazism. And um, I would say that this, what they've instigated is just, they're, they're really articulating when they're talking about that level of the law applies to everyone but them, they're, they're thinking like slavers all over again. They just are. Um, we only have about five minutes left, Mark. Uh, any parting thoughts, anything that you would like to say, just have at My biggest concern, I'm going to start writing commentaries again, and I've taken a bit of a hiatus, but is that we, as a nation, tend to get caught up in the speed, the hyper speed of the news, but we don't tend to reflect upon what is really impacting the society. In this case, I think there are two things. I think we've got the issue of um, all those, we wouldn't have had a separate, the second surge. Yes, we had the Delta virus and that was a more transmissible, uh, variant, but we wouldn't have had a second surge if everyone had been vaccinated or 85 or 90 percent realistically had been vaccinated. So I think that the uh, legal responsibility for those who uh, helped us achieve a second church surge by saying there shouldn't be any mass laws and people shouldn't have to get vaccinated, uh, should be prosecuted. Two, I think people uh, need to think about prosecuting Trump. We have the goods now in this John Eastman memo, uh, the lawyer wrote about how he could conduct the coup and get away with it. And yet, 
you know, barely any newspapers now are talking about it. They talked about it for a day or two and then said, well, here's further proof. Well, when someone conducts a coup and gets away with it like Trump does, what does that lay down as a precedent for the future? It's a very frightening future because it means that there's absolutely no consequences for trying to end democracy and overthrow the United States government. I agree. I, I I totally agree. You are you just it's been wonderful having you on the show. You are a treasure. Um and I hope that you come on the show again. Uh thank you so much, Mark. Yeah, I'd be glad to be on the show again. Just, you know, All contact right. me and um I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Janine. All right. Thank you, Mark. And with that, I say to our viewers, good night and God bless.